Welcome to this week's Point Community Church Sunday Sermon. If you'd like to learn more about the Point Community Church, please visit our website at tpcc.org.au. All right. Who's ready for Genesis? Yeah. Genesis 12, God chooses Abraham. This is huge. God chooses Abraham. Really? Didn't Abraham choose God? Like, don't we choose God or does God choose us? Well, why are you here? If you're still checking out Christianity, we're so glad that you're here. So keep... um, Come along, keep asking your questions. We want to keep introducing you to Jesus. We're glad you're here. But as I ask the question this evening, why are you here? I'm specifically addressing those of us who are already Christian. Brother, sister, why are you here? And as we think about that question tonight, I want us to think about the answer below the answer. I want us to go deep. Uh, because, you know, I mean, there could be a dozen reasons why we're here on any given Sunday. My parents made me come. <laughs> my, my spouse dragged me along. I'm, I'm checking out this girl. I'm checking out this guy. Uh, I, I just wanted to be with my friends this afternoon. T- today is one of those days I just needed to sing worship songs. Today is one of those days I just I need to hear the word of God preached. Today's the day I'm rostered on my serve team. (laughs) There's a lot of reasons why you might be here. But I trust you've got an answer below those answers. I, I, I trust there's something more foundational. I trust you know exactly why you are here. We're here because God chose us. I told you we were going to go for the answer below the answer. Now, why is it that we're going so deep? Why am I making us go so deep tonight to think about God choosing us? Well, it's because we've just finished a series of four chapters of Romans. And it's a series we titled God's Righteous Gospel. God's Righteous Gospel. Now remember, gospel means good news. (laughs) Jesus is good news because when we put our faith in him, God saves us from an eternity in hell. You see, in God's courtroom, we're all considered sinners, unrighteous, deserving of God's wrath and fury. But through faith in Jesus Christ, God justifies the sinner. That's a quick little summary of Romans chapter 1 to 3, isn't it? And as Christians, we we actually have a summary, three-word statement of those chapters. Justification by faith. Anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ... God justifies. God justifies the sinner by faith. Justification by faith. And Romans chapter 4 is quite amazing. Because we learn that even in the Old Testament, God justified sinners 
by faith. Remember this verse, Romans chapter 4, verse 3? Hey, Romans 4, verse 3. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham was justified by faith. Abraham believed, there's the faith word, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And do you remember? Righteous and justify are the same sort of word. In English, um, we don't say God righteousfies. We say God justifies. How was Abraham saved? Abraham was justified by faith. Isn't that extraordinary? And so seeing as we ended our Roman series in chapter 4 in the story of Abraham, I thought... We would pick up the Abraham story for two weeks. Uh, next term, we're going to look at church, uh, doctrine of church from the Bible. But for two weeks, we're going to look at Abraham, specifically Abraham and justification by faith. This week, it's God's call on Abraham from Genesis chapter 12. If I say Romans when I'm really talking about Genesis, wave your hand and say, you did it again, Buffhead. We've been in Romans for a term, haven't we? I keep on saying Romans. No, no, this week we're in Genesis chapter 12, God's call of Abraham. And next week we're going to come along and we're going to hear about God's covenant with Abraham from Genesis 15. Uh, but this week it's Genesis chapter 12 and, and God's call. This week we will see that humanity was at rock bottom of a downward spiral away from God. We were without any hope. That is, without any hope apart from God. But God did step in. And God called Abraham. Uh, we'll see that Abraham followed God, even though Abraham didn't know where God was calling him to. Uh, and so here's how the sermon will roll out tonight. Uh, firstly, we're going to look at God's effective call. Uh, then we're going to look at Abraham's blind faith. And then we're going to look at um, Abraham's son, even though son wasn't explicitly mentioned in those verses, but, but he is there. And so where we're headed tonight, God's effective call, Abraham's blind faith, and then thirdly, follow the son. And so firstly, God's effective call. And to understand how desperate humanity was at Genesis 12, which we're looking at tonight, uh, we need a quick overview of Genesis 1 through 11. Uh, the first two chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, are an amazing opening. God Almighty creates the universe. God, God creates our world. God creates humanity in his image and, and he gives us a, a glorious job. Take care of his world in a way that glorifies him. It's a stunning opening to the Bible, but it goes downhill immediately in chapter 3. Adam and Eve decide they know better than God. They rebel against God. And because God is both righteous and full of love, rather than destroy humanity, rather than annihilate Adam and Eve, God pulls them out of the garden as punishment, sets them free in the rest of the world and immediately puts into place a plan to save humanity. 
first three chapters of the Bible. And then we open up chapter 4 and we see that Adam and Eve had some children. Cain and Abel were told about straight away. And well, that didn't go so well, did it? Cain murdered Abel. And then we keep reading in Genesis 4 and there's this guy Lamech. He sits around campfires with his drinking buddies, singing songs about all the people he murdered. But Genesis chapter 4 gives us another little glimmer of hope. The very last verse of Genesis 4 talks about the son that was born after Abel was murdered, Seth. Seth, to Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. So in the time of Seth, people are calling on the name of the Lord. And then Genesis 5 gives us a bunch more names. And basically, dozens of years are going by. There's descendants. It's a genealogy. And then in chapter 6, the genealogy continues. It comes to a guy called Noah. But here's what Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 says. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Do you get the picture? Adam and Eve sin. Cain murders Abel. Oh, but Seth comes along and people are calling on the name of the Lord. But then you get to Noah dozens of years later and there's God looking over humanity and going, oh, they're only evil. But... Noah found favor with God. And so then Genesis 7 and 8 and 9 tell us a bit more about the story of Noah, but you guessed it. It goes downhill rapidly again after that. And during all of these genealogies, don't forget, hundreds of years are going by. And then we come to Genesis chapter 11, and there's humanity thinking, okay, we're going to get together. And we're going to make a great name for ourselves. And they start building that tower, the Tower of Babel. They were behaving exactly like Adam and Eve. Oh, we know better than God. We can sort things out ourselves. We'll make a name for ourselves. All of humanity was doing that at the beginning of Genesis 11. And then we get to the end of Genesis 11. And there is a very damning genealogy. I don't think we recognize it at first, so let's read it. Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram. Do you see Abram there? Abram is eventually going to be called Abraham. Abram is a Hebrew name. It means dad or father. Abraham means father of many. Okay, so when you read Abram and Abraham, uh, same person. Dad, big daddy. Does that work for you? All right. So this is who with Terah fathered Abram, Naor and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of, uh, 
the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, why is that such a damning genealogy? Well, we need to piece a few bits of the puzzle together. Terah's name probably means moon. So there's the first little clue. Terah probably means moon. The other bit of the clue, historians tell us that Haran and Ur were both places of moon worship. And then we come to some real biblical clues now. You remember Seth, the last verse of Genesis chapter 4? In the time of Seth, people began to call on the name of the Lord. We haven't heard about anyone calling on the name of the Lord uh, descendant after descendant after descendant. We get to the end of chapter Genesis 11. Nobody on the planet is calling on the name of the Lord. We are left with moon worshippers. And then we're specifically told, go home and read Joshua 24 verse 2. Terah worshipped other gods. This guy we're about to read about was the son of someone who worshipped other gods. We get to the end of chapter 11. 2,000 years have gone by. There's been a massive downward spiral. Nobody, no human is calling on the name of the Lord. They're worshipping other gods. Now we're ready to read Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed." Have you ever got together to play a game? For me, it was usually like footy or basketball or something. And um, it's just a pick-up game. And so usually two captains are picked and then you toss a coin and one of the captains picks first and then the next captain and they pick their team from the bunch. And, and you know what happens? That the best players get picked first and the poorest players get picked last. Sounds very exclusive, but fair. It's on merit. Here's the thing about God choosing Abraham. Abraham was not the best of a bad lot. God did not choose Abraham because Abraham was choice. Abraham was equally bad out of a bad lot. Abraham was part of the family and the culture that worshipped other gods. And God stepped in when humanity was at the bottom of the pit of that downward spiral of not calling on the name of the Lord. And God called Abraham. And notice that God didn't call Abraham's neighbour. 
God called Abraham. God didn't call Abraham's best mate. God called Abraham. God only called Abraham. God's call on Abraham was very exclusive. Now, some people get upset when they hear about God exclusively calling some people and not others, which is why I thought, yep, we need to spend two weeks looking at Abraham. God chose Abraham. Abraham is considered the father of faith. Well, the father of faith was a moon worshipper when God called him. God did not look around for a hero from amongst a bad lot. God did not choose Abraham because Abraham was choice. God did not choose Abraham because Abraham had faith. Abraham ends up having faith because God chose Abraham. And so now you see why I've called this bit of the sermon God's effective call. Without God reaching into our lives, we would all choose to worship the moon or or probably some other part of creation. In the 21st century, we're a bit more sophisticated, aren't we? We don't worship moon and Mars and things like that, but we worship creation. We really care about what other people think of us more than what God thinks of us. We, we, we worship the dollar, we worship the career, we worship the... Without God reaching in and calling us, we would all worship creation rather than the creator. Doesn't that sound like Romans 1 to 3? We're all without excuse. We all sin and lack the glory of God. We're all deserving of God's wrath and fury. And so Romans, it presents the really bad news, almost like a lawyer would put a court case together, the detail. Romans is very doctrinal. Genesis gives us the very bad news, but as a story, the early story of humanity. No one was worshipping the Creator. No one calling on the name of the Lord. And so God reaches in and called Abraham. That's God's effective call. Uh, and so let's see how Abraham responded. But, but just before we do, I want us to see just how in your face God's call was. Have a look at Genesis 12 verse 1 again. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go. Abram, Go. You go, Abraham, you go. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Leave everything. Leave your land, leave this country you know, leave your culture and leave your family. Go, leave everything. (laughs) And then here's the, wow, To the land that I will show you. I will show you. Leave everything. Oh, and by the way, I'm not telling you where you're going. Just trust me. (laughs) 
Can you hear how complete, absolute, comprehensive God's call was? Drop everything and I will tell you where I'm taking you. Well, let's have a look at how Abram responded. Verse 4. So, Abram went as the Lord had told him. Now we can see why Abraham is considered the father of faith. Abram went from moon worshipper to dropping everything to follow God. Abraham's faith was blind faith, but, but not blind in the way that atheists like to laugh at us Christians. Abraham didn't close his eyes and jump off a cliff. Abraham heard the voice of the Creator, dropped everything and went. Didn't know where he was going. Have you ever shared the gospel with a friend and they turned around and asked you, sounds good, but will I have to give up my pursuit of a sporting career? Will I have to give up my girlfriend, my boyfriend? Will I, will I have to give up... Or maybe that's you. You believe there is a God. You, you, you know the gospel story. You're on board with most of it, but you don't like the thought of having to give up something in your lifestyle. Or you're worried about what sacrifices God might ask of you. Or, or perhaps you are a Christian. But there's certain parts of God's word that you want to avoid because you know that God's probably calling you to give up some things that you don't want to give up. Or you don't get into certain discussions with Christians just in case it's going to be really clear that you've got to change some things. Or perhaps... You're a Christian and, and you hear about Abraham dropping everything to follow God. And you think about your own faith and you think, oh, I don't have genuine faith. Listen, I'm sure there was a time when I would have preached this sermon and I would have beat us all up. Why won't we give up our pet sins? Why aren't we more seriously about, serious about following God? Why won't we sacrifice the way Abraham sacrificed? Oh, look at our little faith compared to Abraham. But I now know better. The point of Genesis 12 is not Abraham's faith. It is the one Abraham had faith in. It's not the size of our faith that matters, but the object of our faith. Sure, there's going to be things our Creator expects us to leave behind to follow Him. But don't begin your relationship with Him by a negotiation. Why do I say that? Now, well, for starters, I mean, think about who he is. God made us. God made the universe. 
God is the only one in all of existence that is uncreated, uncontingent, undependent. Most kids ask a question at some stage, who made God? Maybe we should ask ourselves that question every day. Who, who made God? Nobody. God has always been. God is the creator of creation. And once we understand it is the creator of the universe that called Abraham, it becomes a bit easier to imagine Abraham dropping everything. You see, it's not the size of our faith that matters, but the object of our faith. There is not a grander, greater, more glorious object than the Lord God Almighty. Rather than worrying about what you might have to give up or what sacrifices you might have to make or, or how little your faith is, get to know God. Get to know Him. God is 100% worthy. Of our faith. Now, having said that, it's still easy to imagine having doubts. And Abraham did. Come along next week. We're going to hear about some of Abraham's doubts. Uh, this week, though, I want to finish the sermon by reminding us to follow the Son. Now, if you were following as Ethan read, uh, we didn't hear about a son, did we? but we sort of did. And so let's go back and read Genesis 12. I'll start from verse 1 and we'll skip around a bit. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. To your offspring. To your offspring. There's the son. Not yet born. Sarai was barren, remember? But God promises a son. Next week, we're going to hear that eventually Abraham did raise the question. You know, God, you promised this land to my descendants, but I don't even have a descendant. What's going on? Spoiler alert. Abraham and Sarah had a son. 25 years later. How old was Abraham when he was called? 75. Yeah. I turned 55 this year. I might go home and tell Nicole it's time to have more children. The sun did come. 
They had to wait 25 years. And over those 25 years, Abraham did continue to put his faith in this promise, but boy, oh boy, it was miserable-looking faith, if you know the story of Abraham. He and Sarah took matters into their own hands, and it was ugly. Abraham stumbled, Abraham sinned, but Abraham continued to get picked up by God and put his faith in the promise of a son. Brothers and sisters, that is why Abraham is our father of faith. It wasn't that Abraham's faith was great, but the object of Abraham's faith was the Lord God Almighty. And here's the real point. The birth of Isaac, it was only a shadow. It was only a hint It was only yet another promise of the true son that God would send. Abraham's faith in a future son is a model for us to put our faith in the son that has come. And the more we get to know the son that has come, the more that we get to know Jesus the more that we put our faith in the Son that has come, the more that we see leaving everything is leaving nothing. The more we get to know Jesus, the more we understand what he says. Look, anyone who leaves mother or father in this life, oh, it's going to gain so much more. Not not just in this life now, but in, in, in the next to come. We go, yes, Jesus, you're so right. The more we follow him and step into that in faith. The more that we follow Jesus, the more we get to know him. The more we go, you're right, Jesus. To find life is to lose our life. Brother, sister, follow the Son. Who left everything. Jesus left land, didn't he? Jesus left his culture and glory of heaven. And Jesus left his father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus left everything. So that we can have everything. Are you concerned about what God might ask you to give up? To sacrifice? Get to know the Son. He left everything so you can have everything. Are you worried about your little faith? Listen to the Son. You remember the story Jesus told? uh, uh, Not the story he told, the situation that happened when the Father wanted his child healed and Jesus said, you just need faith. And and he cried out, I I believe. Help my unbelief. Follow the Son. Let's finish where we began. Why are you here? God chose you. If you're a Christian, God chose you. The creator of heaven and earth chose you. 
the one who sees all your sin and so sent his son to die on a cross for you, chose you. Believe him. Trust him. Put your faith in him. Let's pray. Father, your gospel is the best news in the whole wide world. Thank you for not walking away from us when we walked away from you, but walking toward us and sending your son. Oh, Father, would we, would we treasure your gospel more than any other treasure in the whole world? And Father, take our little faith and keep growing it. Would we help each other? Would we help each other form Christ in each other? Would, would you grow our faith, Father? We want to trust you. We want to believe you. We want to follow you with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for our latest sermon. Or better yet, join us live at 9.30 or 5 p.m. Sunday. You can find all the details on our website at tp.com cc.org.au